Hi, hello, everybody. Robbie Lockman again here with Deliver Better's podcast. Today, we have a special treat. We have Hari, who's one of our directors of quality engineering at Harness. And today, we're going to be talking about what on earth is quality. And if you don't know, quality is very important. So, Hari, thanks for coming on the podcast. Hey, thanks, Robbie. Thanks for having me here. Oh, absolutely. Hari, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your technology journey for the listeners? Yeah, sure. Uh, it's it's, it's a pretty exciting um, uh, two months since I joined Harness. Prior to that, I have close to 20 years of experience. Started with, uh, you know, development roles, uh, did uh, some mainframe development and Java, GSP development. And then it just uh, happened to get into testing. I mean, those days we still used to call it as testing mm -hmm. because the junior developers were uh, assigned the task of doing uh, testing or, or testing the senior developers uh, programs and output, right? I mean, they were pretty uh, more like the first class citizens because they were not keen on doing testing. So it was given to us. So, but I, I really enjoyed because when, while I was testing others features and code, I was able to relate to the overall functionality beyond just the specific modules or screens I was working on. So I, I quickly uh, felt very good about it because now I have a larger context than just few of the um, uh, features that I was developing on. And then uh, eventually, it, it ended up being one such project where we had uh, zero UAT bucks from the customer. And then we were all like, okay, your guys are doing amazing well. And I started liking it because one, I understand better. Two, I'm able to add a lot of value to the organization and the customer. And then I started mm -hmm. spending more time doing testing, right? Uh, and that's how I just got initiated into testing. And with that, I spent more time reading books, looking at, talking to people, looking at how things are done in other organizations. And I felt the way we are probably tackling the software testing problem was, was, is still a little rudimentary and we can do a lot, of, lot, about, lot about it, right? So that's how I, I started working on more on you know, quality engineering roles, started evaluating myself in terms of how am I doing in terms mm -hmm. of testing, what new skills to build, and then slowly progressed in terms of uh, taking up much more larger roles uh, and, and, and also try and expand my contributions in the testing arena, right? So right from that simple functional automation, functional testing to automation, to performance, to security product um, uh, testing, uh, looking at how the customers are, are uh, getting value from, from our uh, product, looking at the architecture side, learning a lot of things in, in that process as well. And then see how do we build a, uh, build a, a great quality product not just in terms of functionality, but in terms of overall, uh, you know, the reliability, responsiveness, the performance, uh, stability, and, and a whole lot of things, right? So that's that's been my journey. And I've worked on a lot of enterprise uh, organizations, worked in a few startups. So so I, I thoroughly enjoy my journey so far, and I, and I have a lot of great things to talk about, how things have been evolving in, in uh, the software testing space, mm -hmm. right? Uh, I, I'll just generalize it software testing, but again, there's more to it in terms of what, what a testing is, how people pursue QA versus QC versus QE and things like that. But yeah, so this has been my journey and I'm, I'm, I'm very, very excited to be part of Harness as I just started with, right? And I see that we are making a huge impact on, on, the, on the areas that we are working in CI, CD, DevOps space and, and many things that relates to the continuous aspects of our product delivery. That's, that's awesome. I, I think you brought up a very interesting point. So like for myself, I used to, and you, you hit the nail on the head, like how the evolution's happening. I used to think that, you know, testing, I, I, most of, actually all of my career up until now was in software development. And so 
when I was coming out of university, I, I never would do testing. Like, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, I would just think testing was below me. Like, oh, I'm a developer. You know, the people who are greener <laughs> than I am are testers. Right. And, and, you know, I might do some sort of testing, <laughs> like, as an intern. But then as, you know, as my, right, right. my, as my career I think progressed. That's a very interesting side, right? Because as a developers, we were producing something. But whereas testers, we were not producing something. Yeah. But we were ensuring that whatever someone else is producing is of, is of great quality, right? Uh, so, again, those it was more like somebody's creating a, a, a feature or a product and that's more tangible than somebody was trying to make it better, right? Somebody's creating it. But eventually we realized that, okay, even to make it better, how, how greatly can we contribute? I mean, how better can it be rather than just maybe a little better or maybe something which mm-hmm. actually um, delights a customer, right? So that was the kind of uh, uh, challenge that we most of us took in. And then we are saying, okay, yeah, product is created. But are we just trying to stand in the end and maybe in the queue and then say, let's make it better? Or we engage with the whole developers and then say, hey, what are you thinking about? How are you developing it? What thought process, what design principles are using it? And then that's where the shift or a transformation happened from just being a software tester to maybe somebody who's engineering quality within the overall development lifecycle, right? And it was not just restricted to development, but again, even working with the product managers, working or looking at how the customers are using our product and then bringing that whole consciousness about the right product that is being built, not just trying to build and make it better, but build it right from the very beginning. Maybe, maybe get it, get it first right, right? So that was the thought process we most of us have. Uh, uh, embraced and then we said, okay, what else can we do? I mean, yeah, we were standing in the periphery and making it better, but that's not enough because there is so much of things wasted because you are already creating um, something more than what is required or maybe you're not creating something as much as needed and then you find that it is not appropriate and then again, you go back to uh, fixing things or maybe redesigning something. So there's a lot of wastage in the overall process, right? So that's how people started evolving and then say, hey, I'm not just going to be a a tester, but I'm just trying to engage with everybody in the organization and then try to make it much better, including the efficiency, including how better can we we, uh, enable people to look at the customer side of things, right? So that's that's where the whole transition from uh, a tester to a QA to a QE is, right? And today, a lot of organizations are embracing this thought process of how can this quality engineering team engineer quality, engineer a great value to the customers and, and throughout the organization right from the inception stage or maybe even before the inception stage, right? So that's that's the kind of journey most of us have taken. And, and most of us today feel good when we look back and then say, hey, uh, yeah, this is the kind of perception it was. And today there's a lot more value that everybody sees. And, and the more we add, the more we contribute, everybody sees that kind of a value in, in the organization. Yeah, absolutely. I think you summarized it better than I than I ever heard it, even from my own internal looking at at my at you know kind of my journey. Like ah, that's yeah, essay. You're you're right. You just it's hard to you know you're not producing anything tangible. You might be writing some test suites yeah. versus now the, the entire mindset of quality engineering. Uh, you know, quality is very important, uh, and and you know quality should be accepted at this as as much of a design consideration than you know, the feature itself, right? Like how are you going to go about ensuring quality in multiple, let's say domains or multiple facets of, of the product and feature. Uh, that's totally good. I remember what did it for me, like completely. It was like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, this, 
the more senior engineer has to be the quality or the, I'll use some terms like SBET, right? Like the more senior engineer should be a software development engineer and test. Uh, was, right. I was working on a project and we were doing peer programming. And it's like, oh, right. so for those of you who are not unfamiliar with peer programming, imagine two people sitting together or right. let's say Hari and I were, peer, this is actually a good example. Like Hari and I would be <laughs> peer programming. We might be on Zoom, we might be in something else, but you know, you're, you're together and Hari is the more senior engineer out of the two of us. And so uh, you know, he would be overseeing, uh, you know, kind of like what I'm doing, like, hey, Robbie, did you consider this? Did you consider that? You know, if we can make an easy example, let's say for those who are unfamiliar, let's say I'm writing a calculator. Right. So like, uh, hey, man, I made I made the addition functionality two plus two equals four. And then Harry would have to come and say, well, what, what if you gave it a letter? What if you gave it an irrational number? You know, what if, what if you try to multiply something like like he, he would have to understand more so the use cases um, than I would as a more junior engineer. But that's that's where a lot of it's headed. How about how would we talk about something more generic? Like what does quality even mean? Like. So you know, how do I know that I'm producing something of quality? And that, that's a very open-ended question. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely, right? I, I think that's a great thing about uh, quality because you relate to it even before you, you were probably into your engineering or your, your taking a computer science, right? Because yeah. everything you buy or see, you just say, or you're just trying to understand that, okay, is this value for money? Does it meet my needs, right? So that's a, a very layman sense of what quality is. But in case of software engineering or, or the engineering quality in, in software terms is more about meeting and exceeding the customer's expectations and go beyond that, right? So you are in the process of delighting the customers and how, how, how important is this product or a feature that we develop uh, to have a great sense of quality, quality again in terms of functionality, in terms of reliability, mm -hmm. in terms of user experience, in, in terms of stability, and how things are evolving and, and delighting the customers, not just for today's customer needs, but even, even going forward, right? So in, in many of the organization, when we are trying to create something new, which is not there in the market, right? Mm -hmm. So you are actually setting a benchmark and, and benchmark is about making things much more efficient for the customers, making things much more delightful for the customers, easy for the customers, not just for today's problem statements, I mean, areas that is covered in today's problem areas, but also try and evangelize and then say, hey, there are better ways of doing things than what we are currently exposed to, right? That's where about the evangelism comes into picture and quality has to be in the forefront of ensuring that we do this, right? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, more or less many organizations, many of us would, have, would restrict ourselves to the, just a functional part of it, right? but we need to go beyond it and, and including the user experience, including, okay, yeah, we are probably uh, doing it pan, maybe pan America, pan North America, right? What, mm -hmm. what happens if we go to maybe in the European countries, do we take care of our uh, internationalization and localization? So can we say, yeah, maybe, maybe the first year or the first six months, we say this is not important for us now because that's not the market we are covering. But if you already implement those design principles, which will enable us to get into uh, more localization, maybe after a couple of years, we want to expand into new territories. That mm -hmm. is is probably quality thought process, right? Uh, and instead of that, if you don't do it, maybe the whole approach we take, uh, we may have to rebuild something, refactor something to to which will enable us to get into the newer markets. That's probably just standing in the periphery and then say, hey, okay, you built it now, let me test it. We are trying to analyze, understand, and then say not just for today's needs, but for future as well, right? That's 
where the the uh, contributions of quality engineering comes into picture uh, everybody does that including development architects but quality engineering has to be in the forefront of wearing different hats and and then ensure that we are, have the right things in in place for that so for me that's quality it's about delighting the customers not just meeting the customer needs or customer specifications it's it's is to go beyond that yeah we need to definitely meet it but it has to go much much more than that yeah that that makes excellent sense i think uh being the champion of the customer because everyone has different expectations right like you know, even now you you brought a very consumer focused feel quality yeah i think like, why don't we buy anything you know like why do you buy a certain brand yeah. <laughs> car why do you buy a certain brand of electronics you know it's like hey oh dad because i wear that brand of clothing that is a car i drive or the laptop i have like oh yeah it has a lot of quality that's it you know i, I understand it's going to be you know stand the test of time and, and that's and that's very interesting i think so what about okay so how do we go about like what are some tangible measures of quality like you know in the consumer facing part um from from the consumerization portion of it you know, I might be like, yeah, my, my clothing feels good. So it has yep. to be high quality or yep. it's stitched together correctly. But from, from a software standpoint, how do you tell what, ha what, has, what, is, what are some common measures of quality uh, in the software world? Oh, yeah, that, that's definitely an uh, uh, important point, right? So few of the, I mean, there are multiple metrics we kind of use to measure one in terms of process efficiency, product quality, or, or in terms of the overall project um, effectiveness and, and planning and stuff like that. But a few th things that I can just bring up is, is one in terms of, which is very, very important for the customers and it's very, very easily measurable is, mm -hmm. let's say we find a lot of gaps or issues, which we call it as bugs, when we are, when we are trying our, our product or a feature that has been developed by our, our fellow engineers, we find issues in that and we make recommendations to be fixed. And, and we do all these things, right? But end of the day, when we find we, we sign off and then say a feature or a product is good to go to production, which is exposed to the customers. Mm -hmm. It should have literally zero issues in, in, in which is found by the customer, right? Uh, this is an objective. I mean, do we practically do this? It all depends on um, the kind of domain that we are targeting, the kind of customers, uh, uh, you know, flavor we get. So we get into those kind of things, right? But one of the key, key and critical measure is about are the customers able to find some gaps in our product? which we are not able to find within our overall development and release cycle, right? Which includes developers and engineers in from quality engineering team. So that would be one of the critical um, measures and metrics that we, we track. And, and it, as I said, it's quite literally impossible unless you take so much of time saying that, okay, unless it's perfectly fine, uh, we will not certify it to be go to production. So there are ways by which we, we, we try and um, ensure that, okay, we have limited issues, but again, the issues are not, not very uh, impactful or not very critical. At the same time, when, uh, there are something that is, that is having, a, we, there are gaps in certain cases. We mm -hmm. kind of do a much more root cause analysis and plug those gaps and make it much more efficient and effective going forward. So one of the, if you ask me to just use one metric, that would be the issues that we find in the customers, which we, in harness, we call it as customer found defects, right? CFDs. That's very, very important, right? And there are other metrics that we look at, how, how quickly can we certify a product and then release to the market? We talk about the release velocity or from the time a developer has created a feature, how long does it take for us to test for that feature, ensure there are no regression issues, and then release it to production, uh, uh, I mean, through the process of 
maybe UAT or a pre-prod staging environment and then to production, right? So release velocity is one of the other metrics we look at it. And uh, the fact that we need to ensure that we find there are no regression issues caused by new changes, we look at uh, how much of our existing regression suit is automated. So we mm-hmm. also measure the automation coverage. And coming to automation coverage, again, there are much more flavors right from the unit testing to API automation to the component level, the integration, and even the UI and things like that, right? So we will try to maximize the effort and we usually call it as test automation test pyramid. So we have the most number of unit level test cases automated comes then the component or integration test cases, then the API. So we have to test for the API contract. Uh, and the API schema. And then we look at the UI uh, of of that particular feature, right? Uh, The reason why we have this kind of an automation pyramid is that the higher you go, it takes more time to create those automation test cases. Mm -hmm. Not just that, it takes more time to execute and they are highly prone for errors uh, for things beyond beyond the application or things beyond the automation, right? There are a lot of things which which makes it inconsistent and flaky. So we end up incurring a lot of cost. So it's important that we build that kind of a pyramid and measuring that tells us uh, where we are probably slowing uh, slowing the whole release process or where we are having risks with creating, uh, I mean, having regression issues and then we still go to production, right? So these are the few metrics we look at it, but there are a host of other metrics we look at at the product level, at the component level, what kind of uh, issues we find, priority at what level we find those issues, what is the impact on that customers? So we end up doing many of these things. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. Like you know, there's there's always lots of considerations uh, when doing testing. So maybe changing gears a little slightly here. So I think the beginning part of our conversation, the middle part, you know, we were looking at just some more generic terms. That's not it's not every day I get a, a quality engineering leader on the podcast here. And so I'll ask you a little bit more about let's say a philosophical and intrinsic question. It actually has to do with regression tests. It's everybody's least favorite test, regression test, right? So for, 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 for level setting for the folks on the podcast, like, so again, let's pretend Hari and I are on a team together. And say, well, we actually are on a team, but like a more close, closer team together. Um, and so like if you're building a net new feature, you know, clearly that, that, feature, or that feature has to interact with something or if you're making a change, right? Like, oh, I'm adding, let's say, right. let's go back to our calculator you know what, I'm going to add, people want to multiply now instead of just add. So uh, our regression test, so in version one, we had addition. So we made sure two plus two equals four, and I didn't have any irrational numbers. And now we added a multiplication, right? And so, or division, right? Let's say we made an easier one is division. So our next feature is division. The regression test would be all the tests that we run for the, the addition part, you know, on top of, oh, can you divide by zero? No. You know, like that, that would be a net new test case. The regression test would be everything that we have uh, for the addition case, right? Which is the first version. In terms of regression testing, how do you balance that? Because I mean, even more so, our product's really big, right? Like we have a pretty robust product. Like in, in your experience, how do you balance like, because regression tests can take a lot of time. And most likely yeah. the engineer running it, let's say you and I change roles, right? Like. The, the developer who's building a feature, most, like if they're new on the team, most likely didn't run or write the regression tests, right? So how do, maybe you could talk about managing that. Like how can you, usually it's the longest test suite to run. 
is the regression right. test. And it's yeah. everyone's least yeah. favorite. What, what are some maybe tip, like a just strategy around that, or you just have to bite the bullet, or maybe some of your expertise around? Hey, these are it's still important tests to run regression tests. Take it away, Hari. Yep. Nope. Absolutely right, Ravi. I mean, so you, you brought up a very interesting topic, but again, the complexity increases when you're talking about a large software and then you have different modules, you have different uh, uh, reusable which has been created and there are developers working across the team, working on different modules, but again, there are a lot of integrations, right? If it was just, okay, you already have an addition, now I'm trying to do multiplication, it's, it's still fairly independent and you can manage with it, right? Mm-hmm. But again, when you, when you in real time, we have features which is cross-cutting uh, different uh, modules and there are a lot of commonalities that is being created as a foundational features as well as reusable. And then you also add application features. So right from different developers working on it, right from uh, uh, making unintended changes, a lot of things causes regression issues. And, and as you rightly pointed out, it's probably the one thing which all of us hate. One, uh, <laughs> it takes time for us to do thorough regression and release to the customers. Two, we will end up executing the same set of um, test cases that we would have probably executed in uh, by the time we had a last release, right? So the, the best way, as I shared, was like to identify if something is causing a regression. And for that to be identified, you already should have automated what was running uh, before you made these changes, right? So only when you made these changes uh, and then try to say, hey, yeah, my, these new features is working are working fine. But how about uh, the earlier features? Because I have no clue because... Maybe I was I'm new to the to the team, or maybe uh, I'm working on a different module. I don't know how this interfaces and works with the uh, the existing module. The whole such um, complexities that arises, right? So one simple answer is you have you should have automation, but that's the biggest problem area. You cannot literally automate everything, you know, and it has to happen. Uh, we should probably make a decision in terms of should we add new features or should we spend more time automating. And in the initial cycles of any startup, we would want mm-hmm. to have our MVP. We want to go and meet our customers, get their feedback and, and build more. So by the time we realize that we have a decent uh, product set features, our product is already in, in, in uh, is, is, is pretty large and we would have not even had any, mm-hmm. even a single automation available, right? So most of the organization work on, uh, on a backlog of test cases to be automated. And that's where we need to tackle this and then say, hey, where do we start automating and then say we'll not make any releases or at what point of time should we actually insist on having enough unit level automation, API level automation and then UI level automation, right? So that's where most of the uh, complexity is. And with more of microservices model that we have today, we are trying to decouple these modules and features and then say these things stand independently and from this feature to other feature, we have a contract when we make mm-hmm. these API calls. And that, from that perspective, we can make it a little independent. And as long as individual teams are taking care of that particular module or a service or a feature, and they don't have to worry about other module, they can fairly automate whatever is uh, specific to that particular feature or a module. And then you may have a few end-to-end test cases to automate the overall functioning flow. I think that's, that's uh, one of the biggest pain points which all of us face and also with a very high number of automation suit, how long do we take to execute it, right? So, and then maybe many organizations do uh, daily releases like the way we do in Harness. And then we need to evaluate, okay, with the automation suit increasing, should we still sustain that pace or, or can we slow down a little bit to make things much more better? So we need to probably look at some data points and make these kind of decisions. But another day, 
whatever we 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 uh, provide as a new feature should not have any impact on the existing features because a lot of enterprise customers would be using it and then any impact to existing features maybe uh, throws them out of the gear and then maybe they have to wait for the fix to be available and then just we go through the overall process of hot fixing and stuff like that so it's it's one of the dreaded area which the which all the engineering teams are focusing on but there are ways to simplify it but it's not going to be something which you can just solve in in one day and move forward yeah that makes that makes perfect sense to me really appreciate that you know that transparency it's always like the R word, ah, oh, regression tests. Like, yeah, like, you know, usually for me, it's like I'll run all the regression tests before I start developing something new to make sure I'm developing on a good base, right? It's like, let, let me run it before. Oh. I don't believe it. It's not my fault. But it, it is something very difficult. Like, it, it's, it's something very difficult to get right. You know, it really can impact velocity. And, like, also, if you're just looking at, like, the bigger the products are, and Harry brings up an excellent point, a lot of times you're not developing any more feature in isolation. Like a lot of people depend on each other. You know, you're working with a group of people because the challenges that we're solving are quite complex and quite difficult. So it requires multiple people to kind of tackle the problem. But that's, you know, the regression test. Um, and it can certainly add up. I kind of like, uh, kind of like start, you know, asking like one or two last questions. And then, you know, we can always ask my favorite question. If you met yourself out of university, what would you, what would you tell yourself? So let's pretend, you know, like pretend again, I'm a developer, like what, what would be expected of me? And we can talk about like, Hey, what, you know, what, what folks do at Harness, like if I'm writing a new feature, what, what kind of, what kind of quality tests can I expect to be writing in, you know, code coverage wise, it's from a, strictly from a developer perspective, like what do I need to yeah. make sure stylistic checks, you know, for folks who don't know if that is, you know, Hey, you could have definitely have code level coverage, which interrogates your source code to make sure that common practices are done. Like what would be some quality that I have to you know, produce before I hand it to, let's say a more spe specific expertise engineer like yourself or your team? Yeah, so uh, definitely. I mean, I'll probably try and answer this in two dimensions. Mm -hmm. The first dimension as you, as you called it out is more of the code quality, right? I mean, forget about any of the functionality and other things, uh, but the way I'm writing my code, does it follow the common best practices in terms of uh, writing this code? How do I declare the variables? How do I call them? What is the code complexity that I have? So it, it's important that uh, we are aware of that as a developer, and then uh, we can run it through any of the uh, static code analysis, right? It could be sonar cube or any other things. We run that through, it can help you to identify some gaps in that. And then as and when a developer is spending more time and taking these inputs uh, uh, very diligently and they, their code quality definitely improves a lot, right? And that, that would be the first thing. Second is for each of your module in which you are either warning or you're co-owning with others, have this mm -hmm. set of sanity or a smoke test that you will run every time you're merging from your development uh, 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 instance to probably the development from your from your own uh, laptop or computer to the develop branch because you would have anyway forked in and then uh, you would you would try to merge it back to the uh, develop branch or whatever branches you have so when you run that it will trigger certain uh, test cases which are automated and it will tell you if something you're broken right that gives you mm -hmm. a very early feedback so this is one side of the uh, code quality and, and uh, just ensure that you are not creating regression issues. The other dimension I would uh, try to cover is, uh, this is exactly what I kind of 
uh, saw uh, maybe early uh, early 2006 or so when I was first exposed to uh, the uh, extreme programming. Right, I was working in London those days, and they were uh, we were actually following extreme programming. And over a period of time, they started extending this to even QE. I was a lone QE then, working with around 20 to 25 developers. So as and when we we had a great um, conference with each other and then we developed that kind of a camaraderie. So developers used to come and check with me, say, hey, this is what I understand about this feature. And this is what I'm thinking about developing this. Can you just review this and then tell me what are the key test cases that I need to be uh, considering it while, while developing this? Second, uh, do you see any, any impact on any other modules? Because it, these are things are closely uh, interrelated or coupled, right? So that was a very, very interesting uh, discussion that we used to have. And the more we can provide uh, that those kind of test cases or uh, analyze them and then say, hey, this, there is a, a specific implementation that is, that is there in this particular module, but if you change this or implement in this way, it's probably be contradictory to that and then it creates some issue, right? So that kind of a discussion made developers much more conscious about what should they develop, how it will impact. And at the same time, they were giving a better quality uh, uh, product for us to consume and test it, right? So that was the second dimension, I would say it, it's, it's interesting to have that and it holds true for both a quality engineer as well as a developer. They need to have that kind of a handshake and confidence and then exchange these thoughts, right? And the other side of this dimension is the more a, a QV is working with a developer, they tend to understand the implementation logic. I mean, we may say, okay, it's a black box testing. I don't have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. The more you understand that, there are ways by which you can optimize your testing. Uh, I'll probably talk about the uh, access control or RBAC thing, right? So you, you can literally come up maybe 100 or even 1,000 test case combination when you have a large user groups, uh, roles and permissions and things like that. But when you actually work with a developer and understand how that's being developed, you can even execute and provide similar coverage with maybe even 10, 20% of the overall test cases, right? So that's a give and take that we need to have between a developer and a quality engineer. And that's how you build value to each other and then you will enjoy that kind of a conversation and eventually you will be a better tester. You'll be a better developer and that adds value to the overall productivity and uh, you know, the customer delightfulness. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I mean, that, that I think was like a very perfect summary. It's not an adversarial relationship between testing and yeah, development. Absolutely. Like Cat first yeah. it's, it's more of a partnership, right? Like, Hey, you know, it's all about right, focus. Right. I think a lot of things are going that way. Especially what requires expertise, like hey, it's it's more. If you're looking at other domains, let's say like site reliability engineering, or even DevOps, or you know, AppSec, right? All of these particular expertises that used to be adversarial is now partnering, right? So it all kind yeah, of goes back yeah. to robustness, efficiency, and just makes people better because it's about focus, right? Like I can't focus forty hours a week or my my full time job you know, focusing on some nuances versus having an expert come help me and partner with me. It's really a team effort. So that, I mean, fa fantastic insights. I mean, it's, it's not every day I get to talk with a quality engineering leader. You know, I used to have a lot. It's just the most ironic cats, cats versus dogs, right? Testing versus development and how, you know, how organizations are really sh shifting towards more quality focus. So last question, Hari, uh, yeah, for, yeah. for the podcast. If you met yourself, you know, let's say coming out of university or out of school, you know, these 20 plus years ago, what would be a, some advice, you know, everything that you know now, like let's say about tech or career, like what would you tell yourself in a short little 
you have a minute to talk to yourself. <laughs> what would you say? Yeah, uh, I mean, I would probably generalize it, be it for a developer or a quality engineer, right? So I would say, one, you get your fundamentals right and get the big picture. Uh, usually we, we kind of, you know, uh, limit uh, newcomers role to something specific because they need to eventually learn and then and add value. But I would say, given a big bigger picture, uh, the way uh, a newbie will be able to relate to it and then provide their own insights and, and suggestions, that's going to make a lot of, lot of difference, right? So I would say focus on these two things, uh, strong fundamentals in terms of what you're going to work on day to day, be it your, uh, the, the tech stack, the program, uh, programming language, the tools, as well as get a bigger picture and then look at how the, the small area in which you're working uh, overall contributes to the larger uh, context of your, of your product or, uh, you know, customer uh, solutions right so i would say these two are very important and i think th i'll still talk about the previous uh, point uh, a developer can make a tester better and a tester mm -hmm. can make a developer better so that kind of a camaraderie and helping each other makes a lot of lot of difference and I, i'm i'm glad that uh, we are seeing that kind of um, coexistence with with a lot of organization and each one has a great value to add to the uh, other partner in in making a, a great product right so I would say these things are, are, are probably the most important and not just new guys who are getting into industry. I, I'd still talk about this with a lot of people who have been in the industry for like 10 odd years and then say, Hey, I'm, I think I'm stuck somewhere. What do I do? Mm -hmm. And I say, Hey, look at, look at a bigger picture. I mean, how do you see things moving? I mean, how can you provide a thought leadership? What kind of bigger problems areas you want to solve and not just about simple things that you have been doing in the last few years. Right. So that, exposes your mind to think much, much larger than what you have been restricting yourself to either because of your environment or either because the areas in which you have worked on, right? That expands the whole horizon and then say, hey, this is a problem that I want to solve, which is going to be much larger than what we see today. But again, I, I can think through and provide a solution that makes it a lot different, right? So this is what I would, I would uh, repeatedly say to myself, to a lot of people I talk to, and that would make a, make a huge difference in terms of how do I consistently and continuously add value to myself and the team and the organization and customers? That's awesome, Hare. Uh, I think, you know, it's, it's some common across multiple domains and multiple, you know, career paths, like, Hey, just you know, how to entrench yourself. So, Hey, thank you very much for being on the podcast uh, today, Hari. You know, I'm sure the listeners, especially myself, have learned a great deal from a uh, quality engineering leader. So Hari, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, pleasure is mine, Ravi. I think I'm, I'm more than happy to share my thoughts and then you know uh, help each other out. That that's uh, the way we have fun and grow in our in our own roles, right? So I'm absolutely delighted and and uh, as I said, pleasure is mine. Cheers.